Amen. Amen. Good evening. Oh, got those spiritual goosebumps. That's good. It's good. Exodus 28 tonight. If God had a house to meet his people in, he would need servants of that house and in that house. He would need those who would attend to the ministry in that house. And so we draw our attention away from the furnishings and the furniture of the tabernacle for a couple of weeks, and we focus upon the priesthood itself. And tonight in particular, not just the priesthood, but the clothing of the priests. And again, remember that everything that we learn about the tabernacle and everything about the tabernacle is a reflection of God. We learn something about our God through the study of the tabernacle and the priesthood. And before we even get into learning about the priesthood tonight, let's jump way ahead to where we are today. Let's all be reminded here tonight that as blood-bought Christians, we are priests before God. Every Christian is considered a priest. Therefore, as we learn about the priesthood, we will also learn about us in our role today as priests. One of my favorite verses is 1 Peter 2, 9. But we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own that we might proclaim the virtues of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. A royal priesthood. It is a reminder to us of how we should carry ourselves as priests of God. It's one of the things that God wanted to instill in the priesthood in Exodus. That though they were mere mortals and they had their faults and their failings, that he called them into service as his priests and therefore they were to carry themselves with great dignity and honor because they were given, granted by God's grace, this privilege of being servants of the Most High God in his house. So in Exodus 28, Moses is instructed by God to bring near to him and to begin to instruct his brother Aaron and his sons who were among the Israelites so that they may minister as my priests. And then God names them. And notice the phrase too, my priests. We'll come back to that in just a moment. It's something that recurs throughout Exodus 28. My priests. God chose a particular line, the line of Aaron, to be the priests. Why did he do that? Did he do that because Aaron and his sons were better than everyone else in Israel? No. It was simply God's choice. But we learn something about why God did that, even reflected in that <laughs> because it was going to provide stability 
and stability in succession. They were never going to have to like look around like, well, who's the next priests? Whoever was born into the line of Aaron would just come in. So God was teaching his people, I want my worship to have stability to it. And I want you, my people, to know that, yes, I will bury my workers, but my work will continue on. And there will be not only a stability in the present, but there will be a stability in the succession as it's passed on this responsibility to be my priest from one generation of Aaron to the next generation of Aaron. It is very important in God's eyes to have stability in ministry. It's one of the remarkable things that we have here at the Oasis. We, we've had a lot of people come and go as far as people sort of on the fringe, but the leadership of our church has been pretty stable since the start. The core of our church, pretty stable for years and years. And I think God wants it that way. He wants his people to have stability in their worship, even when it comes to the people who are ministering to them. And that was certainly true of why he chose Aaron and Aaron's sons to be priests in Israel. And we're going to talk about God consecrating the person of the priest next week. But here, beginning in verse 2, notice that God is even wanting to help his people to understand that even the clothing, every aspect of the clothing of the priest and the high priest is to be distinctive. It is to be set apart. It is to be holy. You must make holy garments for your brother Aaron for glory and for beauty. The worship of God should always reflect the glory and the beauty of God. And even the garments that the priests wore was to celebrate the glory and beauty of God, not to draw attention to the person of the priest, but of the God behind the priest, of the God who called the priest, of the God who instituted the priesthood, and the tabernacle, and everything that had to do with the worship of this God. His glory, his beauty was to be reflected even in the clothing of the priest. And it was to exalt the privilege and the position of the priesthood, not the person. I want to tell you something. There was no doubt when the Israelites saw a priest because he was dressed unlike anyone in Israel. Yeah, they say, the saying goes, the clothes make the man. Well, when it comes to the priesthood, that is certainly the case. There was no one dressed like the priest. And the high priest, oh my goodness. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't to build pride into them. It was to help the people of God, including the priests themselves, to realize, my goodness, what we are doing is for God. <laughs> and he's holy. 
He is wholly other, as Nicole reminded us. He, he is unlike anyone or anything in the universe. And we get to participate in worshiping him and in leading others to worship him. So even in the way we are dressed, it should reflect the glory and the beauty and the distinctiveness of God. And that's why God chose to clothe the priests in the way that he did. Now, I want to stop here for a minute and make this application, going back to what I even said before our worship tonight. You and I, again, as priests of God, have been clothed with garments of deliverance and with the robe of the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, we should wake up every day and walk through our day carrying ourselves with dignity and honor. And the way we even carry ourselves and dress ourselves and go out the door every day into this world should be a reflection of the glory and the beauty of our God because we are representing him. That's one of the things that the priests did. They represented God before others. Amen. Notice God even also was into the details of who would sow who would design, who would create these garments because the priests weren't going to do it. God wanted to incorporate others in the community to be a part of this worship and that they were even worshiping God by creating and, and designing and, and all of that, the garments of the priests. So notice here in verse 3, you are to speak to all who are specially skilled. Now, in our English and, and even in our minds, we might think, oh, that meant the talent. We'll get to that in a minute, but that's not what this Hebrew phrase means. This Hebrew phrase speaks all about the inner person of the heart. God wanted, first of all, to look for those who, like David, had a heart for him. That's where it started before it was ever about the talent and skill, because then notice next. He says, because if I find people who have a heart for me, a heart that is aligned for me, then I will fill them. I will provide them with the spirit of wisdom. In other words, the creative and the practical know-how of how to make these priestly garments. So God is saying, look, you don't have to come up with this on your own. I will enable and equip everyone to even be able to design these garments, sew these garments, put these garments together to bring glory and honor and beauty to me. Same thing is true today. God is calling and looking for people who have a heart for him. And if God sees that this person has a heart for him, he will call them into some kind of service for him. And you and I don't have to worry about having the wherewithal, the, the know-how, if you will, to be able to fulfill whatever God is calling us to. He will fill us with that wisdom and that know-how, you see. That's the promise of God. And that goes all the way from Old Testament through New Testament so that they may make Aaron's garments, notice, to set him apart. Again, not for the priest's sake. Not so that the priest could walk down the streets and go, look at me, yeah. I'm a fine-looking man, right? No. It was to always 
bring people to a greater awe and wonder of God. And it was a reminder to them, we get to do this with God. And those people, oh my goodness, the privilege and the honor that they have to be able to, to attend to the ministry of God in the tabernacle. Wow. What an honor it is to serve the Lord in any capacity. That's what those garments were designed to remind the people of. And again, notice that phrase, my priest. The priority of the priest was not to the people, but to the God of the people. Now, just like today, that doesn't mean that, say, someone like in my position isn't placed here to minister to you all. But my first responsibility, even before you all, is to him. And that's true for all of us. Our first responsibility as priests of God, as servants of God, is never to another person. Even if it's the people we're called to serve and minister, it's first of all, we are his first. Then look at verse 4. These are the garments that they are to make, a breast piece, a ephod, a robe, a tunic. God is listing all the different components of the priest's garb. And again, notice, they are to make holy garments for your brother Aaron and for his sons to minister to me as priest because these garments are to represent and reflect a holy God. He's holy other. He's distinct. Therefore, everything about, again, the worship of God was to be different than anything that an Israelite could come into contact with in any other way. It was to be different, distinct. And the same thing is true today, that when you and I come to worship God, e even when it's personal or whether it's in a community of believers, it should be different. It should be distinct from the way, say, the world worships because he's holy. Notice that the materials of these garments in the priests are to be very costly and very beautiful. Verse 5, the artisans that God will fill with wisdom to be able to create these garments are to use gold, blue, purple, scarlet, and again, the finest linen. He describes how they are to make each of these pieces, the ephod, the shoulder pieces, all of this. Verse 8, the artistically woven waistband. Again, the creativity that God is going to instill in these people. The intricacy that's going to be needed to, to sew and, and do all this. And obviously, I have no clue about this. Some of you gals especially, and maybe even some of you guys you know how to create maybe clothing and all that. It, it amazes me, especially when you think about the threading and the intricate detail that's going to be in these robes and all the details of it. And to use these fine materials, it's going to be something because our God is something. Again, that's what it was to reflect. And then I love this. Beginning in verse 9, God begins to describe through Moses to the priests this breastplate that they were going to have to wear, especially the high priest. 
And in that breastplate was going to be stones that represented all 12 of the tribes of Israel. And notice how precious these gems were. In fact, you see them listed again in verse 17, 18, 19, and 20. Beautiful, precious gems that would be set in the breastplate. Notice in verse 11, you are to engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel with the work of an engraver. So you've got all these different people too working on just the clothing of the priests. You've got those who are designing it, those who are sewing it, those who are engraving things on it. I mean, again, so God was pulling so many of the Israelites into the worship of him because it was all worship for him. See, I want to make this point because just like again today, I, I was sharing on Sunday when I called all of you know, our, our fellow leaders up here that you know, obviously Nicole and I, because of the position God has called us to, many times we are the face of what goes on here, but, but so many are doing things behind the scenes that's just as important, just as significant, just as of much value. And God's always been that way. So what he was trying to say here is, look, you, you can put all your focus on the priests because they're in a sense the ones that are up front, but even the people that designed the garments of the priests and sewed the garments of the priests and, and built the garments of the priests and engraved the garments of the priests, they have just as much to do with my worship as the priest does himself because they were the ones that helped me clothe them, you see. So it's all one ministry, and we all have a part to play. And all of us need to just do our part. That's all God asks. Whatever it's in, in front or up front or it's behind the scenes, all God asks is like here, we just find what is it that God wants me to do? What skill and talent and ability has he given me to be able to bless the others in his body? The engraving. Notice in verse 11, also goes on to say, like the engravings of a seal, you are to have them set in gold filigree settings. Why is God talking about having them, their names engraved and set as a seal? Because again, that was a sign of their preciousness to God. And the fact that his love for them, his care for them, his concern for them would never change. They are engraved. They are set. Think about that. God says the same thing about you and I. He says, your walls are engraved on the palms of my hands. You are ever before me. You're the apple of my eye. I mean, we could go on and on through the Bible. He talks about, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We are engraved. As Jesus says, is your name written in heaven? If it is, then you're there. It's engraved. You are set as a seal. Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Love is as strong as death. And even there, 
The bridegroom sets as a seal his love for his bride. That's the way God is with us. He has set us as a seal upon his heart. And he loves us forever. Verse 12, you are to put two stones on the shoulders of the ephod, stones of the memorial for the sons of Israel, and Aaron will bear their names, notice, before the Lord. Don't miss that. Part of the responsibility of the priest is to bear the names of the children of Israel before the face of God. Why? Because the priest was a representative of the people before God. The priest was an intercessor for the people before God. The priest was a mediator for the people before God. The, the priest stood between two worlds, the world of heaven and the world of earth. And the priest, in a sense, then, was the bridge between men and God. That's why Jesus is called the great high priest, the ultimate bridge, the one who was put to death in the flesh but made alive by the Spirit and who brought us near to God through his sacrifice. And you and I, then, if we are to function as priests, we need to remind ourselves that, first of all, that means we are representing God before others. It means we are to be interceding for others to God, praying for others, and that we are to be a mediator, someone that every once in a while God can use to be a bridge between the world here and the world in heaven, between men and God. That's what a priest did. One of the mysteries of the priesthood was that God never calls people to lead his people or to serve him without giving them guidance, direction. And we don't know exactly how this worked. But you'll notice in verse 15, they were to make a breastpiece for use in making decisions or judgments. Again, the work of an artistic designer. In fact, we see what this piece of equipment was called in verse 30. You are to put the urim and the thummim into the breastpiece of decision. The urim and thummim literally means lights and perfections. And in some way, we know from other passages of Scripture, the priests could be guided and directed in the decisions and choices they made as they led God's people through this equipment. Again, we don't know how God did it. It's a mystery to us. But in a very similar way, and we're going to get to this in just a moment, in some ways, we know that even when God placed the Holy Spirit inside of us to guide and direct us and lead us, that in some ways, it's a mystery. If somebody was to ask you, well, how do you know that the Spirit of God is leading you? You just sort of learn how that works as you and I are in tune with the Spirit. We know that that's the Spirit 
who is leading, guiding, and speaking to us. But there's somewhat of a mystery to it, and it's not easy to explain. The same thing was true here. But what I want us to know tonight is that God, who, whenever he calls people to lead and, and to serve him, he will always provide guidance and direction and leadership to those people in some way. Amen. In some way. A couple other things as we wrap it up tonight. Look in verse 29 and 30. Aaron will bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of decision. Notice where? Over his heart. Notice this phrase again in verse 30. Aaron is to bear the decisions of the Israelites over his heart before the Lord continually. Why does God emphasize that the priest needed to bear this over his heart as he represented God's people before God? Because you could not be an effective priest unless there was some feeling, some empathy, some sympathy, if you will, some compassion for the people that you were ministering for and ministering to. You had to be a person who was able to feel what others felt. There had to be some heart into it, not just head. There had to be empathy. There had to be sympathy. And you think about that then in relationship to, especially in the book of Hebrews, how the author of Hebrews describes our great high priest, Jesus Christ. What do they say all the time about him? We have a high priest who cannot be untouched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. And the author goes on to say that one of the great things that should bring us comfort and encouragement as Christians today is that we have a high priest in Jesus who even though he's God, he empathizes, he sympathizes, he has compassion, he has feeling towards those that he's ministering to over his heart. You can't be cold. You cannot be indifferent. You cannot be unemotional and be a priest before God. You have to have feeling if you're going to be an effective priest. Notice in verse 31, you are to make the robe of the ephod completely blue. God likes the color blue. I like the color blue. It's one of my favorite colors. But it was to be a distinctive garment, again, to set the priests apart. Notice that part of their garment also was they were to make, verse 33, pomegranates, symbols of fruitfulness. It was a beautiful garment. In fact, if you've never seen what the high priest garment and the priestly garments look like, look it up. There's many great images out there. And then notice this. This is where I got the title for the message tonight, verse 36. The, the high priest wore a turban, and God directed them how the turban was to be made, but then he said, I, I want you to make a gold plate, and I want you to place that gold plate right in the front of the turban of the high priest, and on that gold plate, I want this inscribed, verse 36, holiness 
to the Lord. That before the very eyes, if you will, and, and before everyone that could see as the high priest approached, it was always a reminder that everything about our worship and everything about who we were as servants and as priests and everything that we are and are about as the people of God is to be about holiness to the Lord. We are to be a distinctive people because our God is holy other. Set apart, and therefore we are to be set apart as well. He talks in verse 37 about attach it by a blue cord on the turban, in front of the turban. It's right there on Aaron's forehead, and he will bear the iniquity of the holy things which the Israelites are, because even the things that the, that the Israelites built and, and constructed and, and sowed and all of that, it wasn't holy it was tainted in some way. But God would make it holy. Just like God makes us holy. Either by his presence or by his power. Now, in closing tonight, this is my favorite part. And it's the part that comes at the end. Because it's so applicable to you and I. Notice verse 40. For Aaron's sons, you are to make tunics, sashes, and headbands. Again, what? For glory and for beauty. God is a glorious God. And the worship of God in every aspect of it should promote his splendor, his magnificence, but also his beauty. Our God is a beautiful God. You think about all the colors that God created. Even more colors than you'll find in a Crayola crayon box. Crayon box. Way more colors than that. In fact, as many colors as you and I have been exposed to in our lifetime, I think when we get to heaven, our jaw will drop. There will be colors and hues and tones and things that we've not even seen yet. Because our God is a beautiful God and he's a colorful God and he's a creative God. And everything, again, about our worship should reflect that. You think about the stars that he created in the sky and even though they might look similar from a distance, they're so different. Every snowflake we know has a different pattern. I mean, God is just amazing in his glory and in his beauty. But this is the part I want to get to, verse 41. You are to clothe them, you are to anoint them, you are to ordain them, and you are to set them apart as holy. And I want to tell you that the very same four things that Moses was to do for the priests of Israel, God has done for us today. Let's talk about each of these very briefly tonight. First of all, he has clothed us. Literally, the, the Hebrew means wrapped us. What's God wrapped us and clothed us in? The garments of deliverance, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jude even says we have been wrapped, verse 1 of Jude, in the love of God. God has clothed us. And again, we should then carry ourselves every day in the clothing, in the garments of praise and deliverance that God has given to us by his grace through his son, Jesus Christ. 
hope you like your clothes because there's nothing like the clothes that God gives us. They're different than any other clothing. Then you are to anoint them. Literally smear oil on them. What does this represent? Again, oil represents the presence and power and provision of the Holy Spirit. And what have you and I been given? The greatest gift God could ever give to human beings, the Holy Spirit, that takes us from now God being with us to God being in us. And we have an anointing, John says, an anointing of the Holy Spirit, an anointing from the Holy Spirit. We are anointed, my friends. Because if you're saved and you have the Holy Spirit, then you've been anointed by God, as well as clothed. And then ordained. Now, I had to go through ordination to become a pastor. It was the toughest test I ever had to go through. I've had people tell me that when they took their Ph.D. or other exams, that doctoral exams, that they weren't as hard as ordination. I don't know about that. Never had to take those. But that's not what this word means. Somehow God has given us a test and we pass it. This word, I love it. It means to fill to the full. And that's what God has done with all of us. He has given us everything that we need when he ordained us as his child and as his minister and as his servant and as his priest. Let me give you just one verse to illustrate this. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You are complete in him. Okay, I'll give you another one. Colossians 2.10. He has filled us to the full. As Nicole has shared with me and with us many times, when we got saved, we didn't get part of the Holy Spirit or just some of the Holy Spirit. We got all the Holy Spirit. God isn't a chintzy giver. God doesn't just give half. When God fills us, he fills us to the full. And that's what he did with his priests. So he closes us. He anoints us, he ordains us, oh, and then he sets us all apart as holy so that we can minister as his priest and fulfill our calling before him. You know what that means? That means that from God's perspective, you're special and you're special and you're special and you're special and, and you're of value and you're, because God says, you're one of my children. Oh, and you're one of my priests. That makes you special. You're not just like anybody else. You are set apart. You're distinct. I have consecrated you to my service. I have dedicated you. And I want you to carry yourself every day again in the dignity and honor of being a priest of the Most High God. And now go, God says and fulfill the calling that I have given to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you tonight, God, for your worship. 
But most of all, God, we thank you for you. May we continue, God, to pursue your person. May we want you, God, more than anything else. May we want more of you more than anything else. And may we even realize tonight, Lord, as New Testament believers, even from the pages of the Old Testament, what a privilege, what an honor it is to be your servant to be your priest, to be able to minister on behalf of you and for you in any and every capacity. There are no little positions or little people when it comes to your kingdom, God. We are all of greatest worth and value. Everyone has their part and all you ask of us is that we find what that part is and that we do it with everything we've got. God, may we do that for your glory and for your beauty, God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next week.